this time, I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles and join us in our reading today. We're going to be in the book of Psalms, chapter 62. If you did not bring a Bible, take the one out in front of you and open it up, because we're going to climb through the entire thing, only 12 verses long. And so I'm going to read it, and then we're going to walk through it together. Psalm 62, beginning at verse 1. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath, the highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they have done. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. I want to start out with a question. I started out last week with a question. I have a question for you this week as well. And that is this. The question is, what is one lesson that you had to learn the hard way? And I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to answer it with the first thing that comes to your mind. If you're online, I want you to write in the comment section, what is one lesson that you had to learn the hard way? I'll give you about 30 seconds to answer that, and then we'll come back. The room was rather quiet. I think we don't want to tell people the lessons that we had to learn the hard way. I have a big, long list of lessons. I, I asked Alyssa, my wife, I said, what, what lesson have I had to learn the hard way recently? She said, Tom, every time you say that a project around the house isn't going to take long, that's a lesson. That's, that was right off the top of her head. That's what happened. The, the, the question I'm asking is, is, what is something, maybe not necessarily something that she didn't already know in your head, but something that, that took the school of hard knocks to, to actually get that lesson through to you, to actually begin to understand it. When I was thinking of this in preparation for this morning, I, I remember my, one of my earliest memories of a hard lesson learned was, was my mom's curling iron. 
Uh, my mom always, she's always had beautiful hair, and she would curl it when we were growing up, and she would tell me and my brother and my sisters, whenever she was done, she would say, don't touch it because it's hot, right? And she would unplug it. She'd leave it next to the sink in the bathroom. And I don't ever remember like questioning her wisdom. I I don't remember thinking she's lying to me, but I will never forget the day that I had to test it. And I went in and I touched that thing and I got my first blister. (laughs) That was a lesson that I had to learn the hard way. To this day, when, when Alyssa's curling her hair, I think of that moment from when I was a kid. There's others too. I have a whole list. When I was in driver's education class, 15 years old, our driver's ed instructor told us that there's a particular town in the county that I grew up in that is well known for handing out lots of speeding tickets. And so you need to be very careful. Well, two years later, I was blessed with my first speeding ticket in that town. I knew better, and yet I had to learn the hard way. And then, of course, there's more difficult lessons that we learn. Like one year, I didn't pay enough attention to the taxes that were being withheld in my paycheck. Well, thankfully, while I wasn't paying attention, the IRS paid plenty of attention. And I got a letter in the mail, and I had to pay all of it back. It was a large bill. Or when Alyssa and I got involved in foster care, we sat through informational sessions and trainings that told us this is a fulfilling calling, but it's also going to be really hard. And we actually didn't appreciate how hard or fulfilling it would be until we learned some lessons the hard way. My doctor has always told me over the years, you got to eat right, you got to exercise, you got to take care of your body, but I feel like none of it mattered until I hit 30, and then suddenly things like cholesterol and back pain and all that kind of stuff sheds this objective light on how well I'm doing or how well I'm not doing. And these are just my lessons. You've got some you shared as well. What lessons have you had to learn the hard way? Today is the fourth Sunday in the series that we're right in the middle of right now called Be Still. And if you're just joining us for this, we're in the middle of a journey that we've been walking through various places throughout Scripture that um, have the calling from God from these familiar words, Be Still. We started out in the most familiar passage that has these words, Psalm 4610. I want you to read it with me because I want you to have it memorized by the time we're done. Be still and know that I am God. Now, we learned that first week. We studied all of Psalm 46, and what we learned was that to be still is to be stilled. That, that this is not, these are not words to us, but they're words to the chaos and the storms of the world around us, the things that rob us of our peace. The things that rob us of our stillness. It's God speaking into those things and telling them, be still, that we might be still in him. And we saw that play out practically in Mark chapter 4, the second week when Jesus and the disciples were out on a boat, right? And there was this storm that came and Jesus woke up, they woke Jesus up, and he said to the storm, be still and it was still the storm stopped the water calmed everything stopped and all of this should teach us that we are incapable of doing what we're reading about because <laughs> i don't know when the i woke up this morning and it was overcast and i thought this is not the kind of weather we ordered for an outdoor service and so i said son come out 
And nothing happened. It drizzled on me. No, I didn't, I didn't try that because I know better, right? We can't still the things around us. We need God to do it. But what we learned last week is that we can set the, the soil to be fertile ground for God to do the stilling work that he does. There are things we can do to open ourselves up to God's peace. And the Apostle Paul gives us a very practical instruction in Philippians chapter 4 when he says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is what inviting God to still us looks like, and all of it leads us into our reading today in Psalm 62 and rest. And if, if I could have picked a psalm that would kind of take us as an overview of this entire series, this would be the psalm. There's some, there's some proverb in here. There's, there's all sorts of different things. It really takes us on a progression. And what we're going to learn here right at the beginning is that to find rest is really a lesson that all of us have to learn the hard way. Now, if you're not familiar with the book of Psalms, the Psalms are prayers or songs that really practically articulate the journey of faith, and they're generally unfiltered in their language. And Psalm 62 is this powerful progression, this honest progression through the hard way of learning how to find rest in God. And so let's begin by climbing through it again. Verse 1 again says this, truly... My soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Now these words, my soul finds rest, in the Hebrew, they literally mean my soul is completely silent. That's what the psalmist is saying. My soul is completely silent in God. And I don't know about you, but when I think of the words be still, that's what I want. That's what I desire. I want to be silenced at a soul level. That's not just the voices outside of us being quieted, but so often we need the voices inside of us to be stilled as well. That's why there's a difference between stillness and quiet. This is this soul silence that's being offered here, and it only comes from God, And it's no wonder that those translating these words into English use the word rest to describe this idea of soul-level silence. To be silenced and stilled by God is to find rest at a depth that many of us don't hardly ever experience. And so let's continue. Psalm 62, 2. He says, my, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be greatly shaken. Now, if you have a Bible in front of you, you're going to say, you just added a word. <laughs> now, you'll find in the NIV, they didn't have this word greatly shaken. But in the Hebrew, that word greatly is included. This little descriptor, this little qualifier, this little adverb here, it says greatly shaken. It kind of suggests 
that the way that the author is writing this out here is to say, I know that I will not be greatly shaken. He's saying, I know that God is my salvation. I know in my head that I find rest in him. I know all of these things in me. And I know that because of that, I will not be greatly shaken. But then he goes on to say, I might be shaken a little. (laughs) Because let me show you what I'm about to, what I'm experiencing right now. And, And the psalm changes here. And now he's not speaking in these next verses to God. But he's actually speaking out to his enemies that are putting pressure on him as we speak. Look at this, verse 3. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but with their hearts they curse. Now, this psalm is attributed to King David, and, and, and whether it's David or any king, right, a king sits up high on a throne, and, and, and what comes to my mind is the phrase, you probably heard it before, the higher you climb, the further you fall. You've heard that before, right? Uh, this, this is what we have. So, so the psalmist is a king, and he's sitting high up on his throne, and yet he's being assaulted on all sides And so his throne and his high position has become like a teetering, falling, broken fence. And I thought, man, that is an illustration that I get this year, this last December, just a few months ago, um, just this past year. Um, Does anybody remember the big windstorm that came through Elkhorn in December? I feel like we get wind all the time, okay? The, 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 the one guy, Brian, who, who goes out and chops wood, you remember that. You remember that. So, so, so for me, what happened our, at our house uh, this last December, big windstorm came through, and it took down several panels of the six-foot privacy fence that we have in our backyard. And this fence is about 20 years old, and it took down a couple of the panels. And, and when we bought our house, it's our eighth year in our house now. And when we bought this house, this fence was a big perk to the house, right? Because fences are expensive. And it was this big, you know, six-foot privacy fence, all this fun stuff. What I didn't realize, though, because I hadn't lived in Elkhorn before, is that Elkhorn is unusually windy. Have you noticed that? It's unusually windy, and what ended up happening to us is every single year, because this fence was so big, it would compromise at least one or two of the posts. And so every single year, we were out there replacing one or two of the posts that had snapped under the pressure of the wind. And so this last year, when some of these panels came down, I thought, well, I'll just fix it, just like I always fix my fence. But someone told me, you should call your insurance company, have them come take a look at it, because this was wind-related. And so I called the adjuster, and he came out. And insurance companies don't like to pay for things unless they have to. And he looked at the fence, and I said, I just want to fix the panels that fell. And he said, Tom, this fence is a total loss. The places that haven't fallen yet, they've all been compromised. It's all going to come down here in the next couple months. And I thought, no, you don't know. I fix this thing every year. But sure enough, over the winter months, every time we had a snowstorm, I had another panel come down and another panel and another panel until the whole thing came down and we had to replace the entire thing this past spring. And so I think about that. Every, Every day I'd look out the window and I'd see this fence falling And I think about the psalmist sitting up on top of that fence. 
that fence that just kept moving back and forth, teetering, compromised, the brutal winds of an enemy coming against him and assaulting him and threatening to knock him down. And what we have here is this king who's sitting up at that place and he knows in his head that God is his salvation. He knows God is a rock. He knows God is a fortress, a mighty fortress is our God, as we just sang. And yet, as he sits up high on his throne, it starts to rock, and he's looking down, and he's beginning to realize just how far he has to fall. And then I think, man, I've been there. (laughs) Have you been there? Have you been? I mean, I, I don't think we have any royalty here at St. John's. Maybe, we, maybe online we got a king watching. I don't know. But for the rest of us, we've been there. We've been at different places, right, where we thought we had it all figured out. We thought we were safe. We thought we could fix it. We thought we, could, we were healthy. We thought that we could trust someone or the ground that we were standing on. And maybe we knew better up here that we should be more prepared. But in an instant, everything changed. The winds blew. And you could tell in that moment you looked down, you have quite a ways to fall. Have you ever been there? Has anybody else ever been there? David is there right now. In the middle of this psalm, that's where he is. And it's at that specific moment, not after the fact, but in the moment, on the top of the fence, on the throne, as it's teetering, as he's about to fall, that he goes and he repeats the thing that he said he knew at the beginning of the psalm. Verse 5, he says, Yes, my soul, speaking into himself, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. In other words, what he's saying here is that I always knew God was my salvation, but now I know because I have to, because I'm experiencing it, because I need it, because everything else that I thought was a rock in my life is crumbling down and I have learned that I need to lean on something stronger. And you'll notice in verse 6, Pam, if you can put it up on the screen again, it says, I will not be shaken. In the Hebrew, that word greatly is no longer present. (laughs) It's not there. As if the author is saying here, I will not be shaken at all. He said at the beginning, I will not be greatly shaken. I might be shaken a little. But now as he is leaning on God in uncertain times, he has learned, I will not be shaken at all. Notice that what he knew never changed. But his confidence in this truth was solidified as he was walking through the challenge. And the reason is because he had to learn how to rest in God the hard way. He knew that soul-level rest comes from God, but he only experienced soul-level rest when he needed it the most. And I wish I could give you happy hops to soul-level rest, but I'm afraid that the same is true for you. And the same is true for me. Rest is a lesson that we learn the hard way by finding rest in the midst of hard things. Rest is a lesson that we learn the hard way by finding rest in the midst of hard things. And before we feel like that's unfair, think about it this way. 
isn't it in the midst of the hard things of life that we need the rest of God the most? Isn't it in the midst of those things? That's where God promises to meet us, in that particular place. And, and isn't that why we come to church? Isn't that why we come online? Isn't that why we're going to be out in a park on an overcast day? It's to be able to be reminded of these things. We're like at the beginning of Psalm 62. Some of us are here, and we need to know that God is our salvation. We need to be taught that. We didn't know that God is our stronghold, that he is the one. He is the mighty fortress. We needed to hear those words so that they are knowledge in our minds. Others of us are here because we're being assaulted by life right now. We're like the fence that's moving back and forth and we're sitting at the top. And we know this. We learned it in Sunday school. We've sat in church all these years. But because we're being assaulted, we need to be reminded of this truth because we need God now. We need him more than we've ever needed him before. And then there's others of us still that have been through seasons like that and we have learned the hard way that in the hard times God is with us. And if that's you, God is calling you to share that message with others, that they might have hope as well. And that's what the psalmist then turns to do again. Notice he talks to God in the psalm. He speaks out to his enemies. And now in verse 8, he's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. He's speaking out to others. He says, trust in God at all times, you people. Pour your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath, the highborn are but a lie. If weighed down on a balance, they're nothing. Together they are only but a breath. It makes me want to dive right into Ecclesiastes and Solomon, David's son, as he writes this, this um, or Koheleth or whatever. He's, he's writing this wisdom to, to, to life. He's experienced everything, right, that there is to experience in life. And he says that everything is meaningless. Remember that? Everything is vanity in Ecclesiastes. It's the same Hebrew word as breath. And it is to say what the psalmist is saying. He says, I've been high and I've been low. And at the end of the day, it's all the same. It's all a breath. He's been a part of both. And in both, we need God. Jeremiah 9.23 expounds on this idea. This is what the Lord says. Let no wise man boast in his wisdom, nor let the mighty man boast of his might, nor a rich man boast of his riches, but let the one who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, God, that I am the Lord who exercises mercy, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for I delight in these things declares the Lord. Friends, when do we need to experience mercy and justice and righteousness? It's in the moments that we need them. You need mercy when you're learning a lesson the hard way. And it's not lessons, I I mean, I gave you lots of examples of lessons that I learned the hard way that I made mistakes in, right? I think that's what we often think about. The psalmist here He's being unfairly assaulted. And it's the lessons we learn that are difficult are not always our fault, are they? Life is just hard sometimes. And so he's being unfairly assaulted, and yet nonetheless he has a lesson that he is learning 
the hard way. And it's out of that lesson that he's learning above all things that I need to put my faith and trust in God, not myself. And then he calls out to others to do the same. Verse 10, do not trust in extortion. Do not put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. What is stealing, right? Stealing is taking what you think you need because you believe that you're not going to get it any other way. It's a trust issue. And he says that, that not to steal, but not just not to steal, but he also says here, here that even if you come to your riches by honest means, there's nothing wrong with that, but don't begin to trust it above God as your 401k grows. I mean, come on. Have we not been through the last two or three years? Those of you that are retired, if you're living on retirement savings, have you watched your balance? Looks just like the waves on the sea, right? See, that's why David says, don't trust these things. They're not trustworthy. God will provide what you need. Don't steal. Don't trust in your riches. Trust in God. Psalm 62, 1, 11. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they have done. Ultimately, God holds the power. And with him, the power results in unfailing love. Love that will not fail us in the midst of the storms of life. Love that will ultimately carry us through the ultimate lesson that there is no other way to learn except the hard way. And that's the lesson of death. Death is a lesson that Nobody learns the easy way. I mean, here we are, right? We're, we're Christians. We know up in our head, right? We are resurrection people. We know that we believe in a God who sent his son to come and live the perfect life, to die on the cross. And as Protestant Christians, we have a cross that's hanging over the altar that's empty to remind us that he did not stay dead, but that he rose from the grave three days later. And because he rose, we will rise too. And by following in his unfailing love, we have that promise and that hope. But it does not mean that we won't still die. Just as Jesus walked through death, so will we. Literally, we will die, but also every day when we die to ourselves and are faithful to the call of Jesus to give up our life for those who lose their life for his sake will find it in him. It's when we lay ourselves down and empty ourselves that we find the soul-level rest that only can come from God. And that invitation doesn't begin when you learn the lesson of death to new life. It begins right now. When we lay ourselves before Jesus and we say yes to the invitation that he extends to us in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you soul-level rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And so at this time, I want to invite you to close your eyes. 
And Lord God, I pray that your spirit would illuminate in our mind's eye what lesson are we learning right now the hard way? And how is this a lesson to draw us closer to the rest that we find in you? As we watch this video or as we just continue to close our eyes and listen, let us be still and hear your voice. For the next few moments, quiet your mind and listen carefully with your whole heart. Take a deep breath in. Hold it. Now breathe out. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Deep breath in. Hold it. Now breathe it out. Jesus didn't say you might find rest or that somehow you'll find rest as you wander aimlessly through this life. He said, come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. It's a promise. He goes on to tell us that he is gentle and that in him our very souls will find rest. Breathe in. Hold out. You can take Jesus at his word. You can choose to take all your cares and worries, anxiety and pain, habits and hurts, and give them to Jesus. Are you restless? Are you weary and worn out? If given the opportunity, could today be that day of rest? As you breathe in and breathe out, remember that Jesus is patiently waiting for you to come to him, bringing everything that's weighing you down. Jesus is waiting to give you rest. St. Augustine said, my soul will not rest until it finds its rest in you. God, we come before you longing, thirsting for rest, soul level silence, that we might be in your perfect presence. We thank you that you have promised your presence. And the church today is Trinity Sunday. It's a reminder to us that our God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. The Spirit that Jesus himself promised would come. The advocate that would be there to be in us, creating us as this living temple of the Holy Spirit, of his presence, that God is with us now. And Jesus gives us this meal as he gave it to the disciples 2,000 years ago on the night that he was betrayed. He took bread and broke it and said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you eat this, remember me. <laughs> 